Until this point, Moshe had not been confronted with the full gravity of the people's sin. But as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moshe became furious. He reasoned, if serving idols disqualifies someone from serving the Passover sacrifice, as we learned in a previous parsha, which is only a small part of the Torah, it would surely disqualify them from receiving the Torah in its entirety. And the entire Torah is alluded to in the Ten Commandments engraved on these tablets. He further reasoned, the people were wedded, married to God at the giving of the Torah, and the tablets are the wedding contract, so to speak. Such an act of idolatry is thus analogous to a wife being unfaithful to her husband, and adultery is a capital offense. So in order to save their lives, I will destroy the wedding contract. So he hurled the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. Not in anger, in love. The people immediately halted their revelry, and Moshe proceeded to try them for their idolatry. Continuing the analogy of idolatry to adultery, a court can only execute an adulteress when the act was preceded by a legal warning and had been witnessed. If the husband only suspects that his wife was unfaithful, as the law of Asota, but has no proof, he can, under certain circumstances, administer a form of trial by ordeal, as we'll learn in the Parsha of Nasa, the law of Asota. <clears throat> so based on this analogy, Hashem told Moshe to try the people for their unfaithfulness, but this analogy could, at this point, only be applied to born Israelites. The status of the mixed multitude to Moshe had converted on his own initiative was still pending. Not yet having the status of full converts, they were not fully wedded to God. So they were analogous to non-Jewish bondservants. This did not make a difference for those who, have only been, who had been warned and witnessed committing idolatry, since idolatry is a, common crime, a capital crime for both Jews and non-Jews. God therefore told Moshe to set up a court for those who had been both warned and witnessed committing idolatry. And these would be executed by the sword. This, in effect, was the application of the law pertaining to a city that is collectively convicted of idolatry, Ir uh, Hanidachas, that we'll read in the book of Tvarim, Deuteronomy. But only the born Israelites could be tried by the ordeal administered to a suspected adulteress, the law of Asota, since only they were full fledged wives of God. Furthermore, this ordeal can be administered only if the wife is merely a suspect. If she had been witness to the act, the ordeal cannot be applied. Thus, a wife who had been witness committing adultery but not formally warned cannot be capitally tried. Thus, with regard to trial and punishment of those who worshipped the golden calf, there were four categories of people. Those who had been both legally warned and witness, these were tried by the court and executed. The born Israelites who had been neither legally warned nor witnessed, these were subjected to the trial of the sota, the ordeal, as we'll discuss soon. Those of the mixed multitude who had been neither legally warned nor witnessed, and those who had not been legally warned but had been witnessed in the act. There was no legal way of trying or executing those who fell into the second two categories, so God planned on punishing them himself. As will be recounted presently, Moshe attempted to convince God to forgive these people, those who had been neither legally warned nor witnessed, and those who had not been legally warned but had been witnessed. Moshe first administered the trial by ordeal to the born Israelites who had been neither legally warned nor witnessed. He took the calf that, had, that they had made and turned it into fire, melting it down to unformed gold again. When it cooled, he ground it into fine powder and scattered it over the water of the river descending the mountain, mixed it into a solution, and made the Israelites drink it. 
The abdomens of those who were guilty swelled and exploded, killing them, just as that what occurs with a suspected adulteress who's found guilty. Moshe then set up a court to try those who had been legally warned and witnessed. In the course of the legal proceedings, Moshe became aware of Aaron's role in the affair. Moshe says to Aaron, what did the people do to you that forced you to agree to their demands and brought such a grave sin upon them? Aaron replied, let not my master be angry at the people. You know that the people are bent on doing evil. They are skeptical, always doubting God's ability to provide for them. When you failed to appear when they thought you should, they did not trust in God to provide them with a substitute for you. Instead, they said to me, make us a leader who will lead us because this man Moshe brought us out of Egypt. We do not know what had become to him. I knew that, the, that as innocuous as this request seemed, it would easily develop in the wrong direction. So I said to them, who has gold? Thinking they would hesitate to part with their gold and I could delay matters. But they stripped themselves of it unhesitantly and gave it to me. I cast it into the fire and either by means of magic or micha, as we said, this live calf emerged. From the perspective that Aaron himself made the calf, as we mentioned, as one opinion who said, he said, I cast into the fire, fashioned into a calf, intending it to serve as a channel for divine instruction for the people as they requested. I did not foresee that the mixed multitude would treat this calf as an idol, but that is what emerged. So Moshe saw that the people were now exposed to ridicule, for by making the calf, Aaron exposed their latent shortcomings publicly, making them an object of disgrace amongst their enemies. The whole world would soon know that the people had committed idolatry, and this would make it much harder for them to respect the Israelites as God's representative in the world and accord them the privileges necessary to fulfill God's mission. Moshe realized that he therefore had to punish the convicted wrongdoers publicly. He stood up at the entrance of the camp in everyone's full view and said, Whoever is for God, meaning did not participate in this crime and is willing to act as the court's agent to execute idolaters publicly, join me. And all the Levites rallied around him, for none of them had to participate in the crime. He said to them, this is what God, the God of Israel, says. Idolatry is a capital offense. Therefore, let each of you place his sword in its sheath by its thigh, by his thigh, go back and forth from entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let each man slay those that the court had found guilty, even if he is his half-brother, friend, or relative. The Levites did as Moshe ordered, even though this meant in some cases having to kill their close relatives, and some 3,000 people fell that day. While the Levites were executing the guilty, Moshe said to them, until now the priestly rites have been performed by the firstborn, but now since some of the firstborns have committed the sin of idolatry, they have betrayed this honor, and as a group they are no longer worthy of this privilege. You, however, have proven yourselves worthy. You did not participate in the sin. You did not hesitate to execute those guilty of it. Therefore, today, I inaugurate you for the service of God. For each of you had been true to God, even if this meant contending against your grandson and half-brother, your acts now will serve to bring the blessing of priesthood upon you today. On the next day, the 18th of Thomas, Moshe said to the people, you have committed a grave sin. We have executed those amongst you who were both legally warned and witness. We have tried by our ordeal, ordeal the born Israelites amongst you who were neither warned nor witness. As for those of you who were witnessed but not legally warned, and those of the mixed multitude amongst you who were neither warned nor witness, the, the third and fourth category, I will now ascend the mountain again to Hashem. Perhaps I'll be able to secure atonement for your sin. So Moshe returns to God and he says, I implore, I beg, this people had indeed committed a terrible sin. But it is your fault. 
You lavished so much gold upon them, both when they left Egypt and at the Sea of Reeds, that they, should not, they could not resist the temptation. They made themselves a god of gold. God did not accept this argument, so Moshe tried coercion. So, if you will forgive the sin, well and good. But if not, erase me from the Torah, your book that you wrote before creation, and that will eventually be given entirely in its entirety in this world. Let it not record that my credit did not suffice to secure atonement. Hashem replied to Moshe, No, whoever had sinned against me, him I will erase from the rest of my book, since he is the one who forfeited the right to continue carrying out my mission. You did not sin, and I will not erase you from history. I will, as planned, execute all those who were witnessed committing idolatry, but not fully legally warned. Therefore, now that all the born Israelites who worship the capital soon have been executed, go and lead the remainder of the people to where I have told you, the land of Israel. Nonetheless, even those who did not actually sin are not entirely guiltless. They could have done more to prevent the others from failing into sin. The fact that they did not so indicates that either they are not sufficiently bothered by the sin of idolatry, or they do not care enough about their fellow Jews. Therefore, I will punish them for this in two ways. From now on, I will not lead them directly. Instead, it will be my angel that will go before you as you lead them. Secondly, although this shortcoming does not warrant their immediate death, I will add its demerit whenever I punish them for any other sin they commit in the future. Thus, on the day of my reckoning of those sins, I will bring them to account of the sin of this matter as well. God also expressed his anger at Aaron to Moshe, telling him that he planned to exterminate his line by putting his four sons, who did not yet have any children, to death. Moshe prayed on Aaron's behalf and succeeded in commuting the sentence by half. Thus, when the Mishkan was inaugurated, Hashem killed Aaron's two older sons, Nadav and Naviyu, who in any case had already incurred the death penalty for staring at God, as we spoke about a few parashiyot ago, and became further subject to it at the time for other reasons. Although we're not finished Aliyah, um, we'll continue tomorrow as it's already over 20 minutes. And just This is probably the single longest Aliyah in the Torah.